This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. In recognition of Remembrance Day, one of the podcasts you can check out is Raising Kindness, Episode 3. And this was released on Tuesday earlier this week. Becky and Bennett and Bennett's friend visit Allegiant in Regina to learn more about the great volunteer work being done over there. It's also available as a video podcast on YouTube. So check it out, Raising Kindness. They're already on episode three. This is a podcast that uh, we release once a month with the host, Becky Zar. I'm Ramia Amuthan here with Margaret Weldon, and welcome to the Friday edition of Kelly and Company. And as happens on a Friday at this time, um, it's time for John Beeler and the app update. Good afternoon, John. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys? I'm doing well, thank you. Let's start off with this, John. Zoom is um, adding email and calendar features to take on other work or to take on other platforms. What do you say about this? Yeah, they recently Zoom just recently had a, a big conference uh, called Zoomtopia, where they were unveiling a whole host of new features that are coming to their platform, and they're really trying to make a play for. Microsoft 365 and Google's workspaces, where you have one place you go to do all of your day-to-day work activities. And Zoom, as we all know, has been a a very important part of that uh, since the pandemic. And so they've decided to add some additional features, such as calendaring and email support uh, to that to make it more a cohesive uh, system. So the idea behind it is that you're able to see your co-workers when they join into a Zoom meeting from the calendar. So you can see who's actually already there before you even join. And you also have the ability to uh, send and receive emails. They've also promised that the email system that you'll be using is fully encrypted and you'll be able to um, integrate all this stuff with everything else externally. So if you still need to use another email client or a calendaring system, those will all integrate well with that as well. Wow. So I, I just have a couple of brief mm. questions. And John, number one, um, how accessible do you think this is going to be for people in our situations? And number two, what kind of um, competition do you think it's going to create? Or maybe you can't uh, to be honest. I yeah. <laughs> I, 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 to be honest, I don't know how big of a player this is going to be as far as the competition angle goes. Um, one of the things that I saw that they're that's coming with this package is something called Zoom Spots. And it's a virtual co-working space where you can basically be in a a, sort of a a video first kind of like chat room with your colleagues. And again, if you're remote working, maybe this is important to you, but I just don't know how accessible this will be putting the focus on video. Um, I think Google and Microsoft are very entrenched and they've been doing it for a very long time. And most companies have picked a side a long time ago. And I think it'd be pretty hard for for zoom to make a big dent in this space maybe you know smaller companies that are just starting out um but um you know they're a video platform first and all this other stuff is sort of accessories to that right because even i i find with myself i don't know but i've used zoom in the past um for different uh events and websites and it seems sometimes it's accessible and sometimes it's not right so yeah I, i quite agree with you there I always yeah, get a little sure. bit nervous, though. 
around this time when uh, platforms start adding things and <laughs> getting serious makeovers about the accessibility. Now, Zoom has been very quite accessible, actually, um, whether it be the mobile platforms or the desktop clients, at least with my experience on the Mac, and we haven't heard too much otherwise uh, for other users. But when you say, okay, we're implementing this, that, and the other, eh, I don't know, just that little bit of anxiety in the background. For sure. All right, we'll uh, keep posted on that. And in the meantime, let's talk about how we can start replacing our phone's password with passkeys. So before you tell us how we do that, can you give us the context again on what passkeys are and why we're moving towards this? So the the big thing with passkeys is they're meant to be a replacement for passwords. Passwords have been proven to not be very secure. They're easily hacked. Uh, they're easily forgotten. And quite often, uh, that's the single weakest point of any person's or company's security. And so all the big guys have been getting together, uh, Apple, Google, uh, et cetera, and trying to figure out a way to get around this. And uh, essentially what it does is it's kind of like two-factor authentication that uses your phone and its biometric features to actually authenticate that you're you. So unlike two-factor authentication, which would send you a text message or an email uh, with a code, you actually have to authorize that app's login with either your face uh, ID or your thumb sensor, finger sensor, depending on the device. This works on uh, Android and iOS. Um, uh, the implementation implementations are a little different on both, but uh, essentially they're the same. And so the idea behind this is when you go to log in somewhere, you don't have to know a password. You just have to have the finger or the face that was originally signed up on that account to do that. So you, when you're signing, okay, so this goes back all the way to when you're signing up for something, um, because yeah. I think a lot of us may have the experience of unlocking using Face ID, uh, unlocking apps using yes. Face ID already, but the difference or the addition is you're not even signing up with a password anymore. You're signing up with biometrics. Yeah, the, there's still not a lot of companies that are offering this at the login prompt, if you will. Um, but sites like PayPal, eBay, uh, Etsy, yep. and um, uh, even the, the travel site Kayak are now starting to offer this when you're signing up. And you may get an email from them saying, hey, we've got this new thing. It's it's Right now it's optional on all these platforms. Um, you can still keep a password if you want. Um, but ultimately, at the end of the day, it's probably more secure if you switch to a passkey because, A, you don't have to remember anything as long as you still have your face. Right. Uh, or or your fingers, and um, that makes it easier for you to go into those things. Where it gets a little tricky, though, is, well, what if you change phones? Because the thing to remember is, uh, unlike a password, the the passkey information, the biometric information, isn't in the cloud. It's stored on that, that specific device. So if you get a new device, say, say you want to use it on your iPad instead of your phone, or you get a new iPhone, uh, you're going to have to mm-hmm. migrate or re-sign up for that passkey on that new device because it's unique to the device as well. So you mentioned that it was like two-factor authentication, but all biometrics, right? And you're using your phone and your biometrics to sign into this thing. So can you explain the first part of it, like the phone part? Is it that you can only sign in on this device into this app using your biometric? Is that the the two part or uh, am I getting that wrong? 
well, essentially, when you when you go to the front door, you you know put in your name, put in your your account name or your email, whatever your your identifier is, and then you basically would be prompted on your device to allow that login. So mm-hmm. if if you are using a device that's not on that list, what will sometimes happen? And we've seen this with um, uh, streaming services when you're trying to log into, say, an Apple TV or something like that. Sometimes right. you'll be presented with a QR code that you'll scan with your phone to log in. And that essentially means that you've logged in onto your phone, you've unlocked the phone, the phone knows who you are, you're scanning the QR code and that sort of connection's made and, and everyone agrees, okay, this is really John, we're going to let him into this application. Mm-hmm. Wow. Hmm. Now, That's pretty interesting. Oh, sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. Apple is apparently, and maybe this follows along the same theme, I don't know, but Apple is apparently working on a new uh, streamlined accessibility mode for iOS, John. What about, what is this all about? Yeah, this is something that that uh, the hackers found uh, with the latest beta of iOS uh, 16.2. This is something that's not actually available yet. I actually have that version of the beta software installed, but it's actually just in the code and what they found is really interesting, and I, spe- I think especially to this audience, is they've added some really um, uh, much more dramatic controls to the appearance and the UI of the whole operating system. So you're going to have new features like the ability to create very large app icons, for example, like very large. Like you can have four or six on, a sc- on the entire screen so you can easily mm. see those big buttons. You also have the ability to have a very large back button so you can navigate back and forth between things. Again, it's just a very big, bold UI presentation. Uh, additionally, you can also have much larger um, fonts, and uh, it it's, seems like it's um, been adjusted quite well to work properly with those other larger u- um, user interface elements, unlike previous sort of attempts at that, where sometimes it tends to break apart and it's like really kind of clunky. This actually looks like a really uh, well-thought-out uh, approach to it. It's just not quite available yet. And I guess you have no idea when so, uh, it would be available, right? Like, is that, is that why, is it, or like it, or it's just something in the works, but they haven't really given a deadline as to when it's going to be ready to go. Correct. They haven't officially even announced these features. People just found them looking through the code and there's actually screenshots of it <laughs> because it's buried in there. And um, it, so it's very interesting. So the, the 16.2 beta just came out this past week. So I suspect that'll, that'll be released to the public um, iOS in the next week or two. This is probably going to be the next version of the software, so 16.3, I would think. Okay, got you mm. there. Got you, yeah. Do you feel that, John, um, I mean, I use a bit of low vision, a, a bit of um, vision substitution accessibility features on the iPhone, and I'm curious if you feel that these are going to make a, a bigger difference for for individuals to have this kind of whole scenario um, of accessibility, I guess. I I can't see how this wouldn't be a huge impact for those people. Um, The other thing that that's kind of interesting is they've, they've really enabled you to use a lot more of the hardware buttons. And, um, and so this, it's a really well thought out um, approach to this. And from what I can see, um, the low vision folks especially will will love this because it's so big it's and it's completely customizable. There's a little slider. You can actually adjust the size to 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 your preference, that type of thing. So 
I think it's just going to be fantastic. And, you know, we've talked a lot about Apple's accessibility improvements over the years, and uh, this just continues to show that they're actually thinking about it all the time. Yeah, we definitely have. And we've also talked about accessibility in uh, other ways. So, for example, the Blind Shell Classic 2 phone is something that's out where it's just a simplified phone experience, right? They have apps that are in there that you can um, navigate utilizing just the native phone and its accessibility features to to get on things. I don't know, for, for example, Ira or Be My Eyes, right? Um, but the the phone itself is simplified because it it wants to unify accessibility all in one. But I'm curious about something like the iPhone picking up this and and calling it a uh, I don't know what did you call it a new streamlined accessibility mode. So with that. I'm curious about clashes. All the time, I've, me and a lot of other people use low vision features along with screen readers, right? So right. it would be voiceover plus zoom plus reverse contrast plus whatever else you're using. And so with something like this, I am hoping, and this is this is an optimism thing, I am hoping that they've considered that people are still going to use combinations of things and therefore um, not make the experience feel like more work in order to have all these things work for you. Right. Well, I think the emphasis on this mode is that it's customizable. So you can adjust mm -hmm. dial up or dial down uh, to your preferences. So I think the clashes example is a is a perfect example where you can only hope that Apple's taking those things into account that people don't just use one way or the other way. It's sometimes both. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's does this mean that eventually Margaret, you were going to say? Yeah, I was just going to. Does this mean eventually we might even get rid of the um, app pat like the app passwords? Or, or are they supposed to be like a security key too? You know, when you go to sign up, yeah, when you go to configure something and it asks you for your app password or you have to generate an app password. Well, I, I, I think uh, the pass keys will be the replacement for that. So once you've authenticated, you're essentially going to be into your device and you shouldn't have any problems. But um, the, the, the passwords hopefully are going to be going away. Um, but it requires all the different app manufacturers, banks, et cetera, to opt into that as a secure way of doing mm -hmm. that. When you okay. said that uh, all the big guys, Google, <laughs> Apple, Microsoft, whoever, uh, has been working on these passkey rollout, are they working together or working <laughs> within their own organizations? Because um, like you said, it has to be something that we all tap into, right, or opt into. Yeah, it, well... The problem right now appears to be that they've they've all kind of done their own thing. They're all based on the same set of um, uh, standards, but the implementation is slightly different. Like, for example, Microsoft, uh, I'm talking to you via Skype. I have to log into my Skype account using a passkey, which actually Microsoft calls a passcode because they email me a code. Mm -hmm. But it's not a true key in the sense that Apple is proposing or has already implemented that I don't have to type anything. I don't have to copy and paste anything. I just have to look at my phone and, and approve that. Allow login. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you foresee any, uh, because you obviously know more than we do really quickly, do you foresee any issues with this kind of security at all? Like one thing I can think of is, well, if somebody else has your phone as well as trying to log in, then they can probably allow it, but they still don't have your biometrics. So 
yeah they would they would get the prompt but their their face or finger wouldn't approve it so um so that wouldn't happen it's more the case of um uh because these things are local to your device if you need a new device your device gets lost or stolen or damaged um how easy is that process going to be to retrieve or set up new pass keys for you to use that app or service Mm -hmm. wow because I mean, one of, the good things about, it, one of the good things yeah. about biometrics, though, is they're stored locally on your device. They're not in the cloud, but that's also the bad thing about them. That's right. Yeah. You could be locked out of your own stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and it's not like you can pull something up and say, find the device or find the password either. Yeah. Right. But I yeah. guess what are we going to do other... with all that Microsoft Word saved passwords? Oh, yeah. Ugh. <laughs> All right, John, thank you so much for your time, and we'll talk chat with you next week. That was John Beeler from the App Show. At, or Sorry, that was John Beeler with our App Update, and he returns next Friday right at this time for another App Update. After the break, we're checking in with Sylvie Fiquette talking about Vancouver Island. Traveling has gotten way easier and more accessible and inclusive with the introduction of travel guides. Find out more about that on Kelly & Company. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.